what we would do is we would come in and take a look at their entire system as a whole. And as a homeowner, why would you want to know that? Well, I think it comes down to a peace of mind. Knowing that everything's going to be running at top-notch condition, knowing that there's not going to be a future issue down the road that you have to be worried about. So as a homeowner, I think it comes down to that peace of mind, knowing that the electrical part in your house, one, it's not a, you know, a safety issue, and two, making sure it's going to be running properly the way it should be. Welcome to the Waste No Day podcast, a podcast specifically for and about the home services industry as it relates to plumbing, heating, air conditioning, and electrical. More than a podcast, Waste No Day is a credo, a determination, a mindset. It is a never-ending discipline. It is a refuse-to-lose pursuit. It is a wake-up call every morning to waste no day. Now here's your host, Brian Hey, Burton welcome to another episode of the Waste No Day podcast. I'm your host, Nate. And I'm your co-host, Brian. And we have a new subject coming at you today, this week, featuring the excellent electrical safety inspection. Later on in this podcast, you'll get to hear from our special guest, Dustin Rohr, who will be giving his, us his personal insight on uh, how to conduct an excellent electrical inspection and some of the uh, conversation and tools that he uses to get that done. But before we jump into the topic, we want to introduce it a little bit ourselves. And for that, we look to Brian for our quote. Safety brings first aid to the uninjured, F.S. Hughes. That is a good quote, Brian. Um, and, and what we want to look into that specifically around the idea of an electrical inspection here is why to have one done. Uh, as, as I think we'll probably discuss with Dustin in our interview here, there's certainly a fair amount of ignorance, probably even some skepticism around the need or even the understanding of what a safety inspection is for your electrical system. And so we wanted to jump into that here first off to kind of really understand what it is and, and why even bother. Right. And the reason I went with a safety quote is to um, promote, uh, particularly in the electrical inspection, um, is the safety feature of having your system inspected. <clears throat> and I'll share share a personal story about that, um, I think, when Dustin gets here. Um, but it's more, I believe, more than the other two, more than HVAC and plumbing, the electrical safety component of the electrical inspection should be taken very seriously and looked at as something that's, you know, that should be required both in our, in our, in the um, systems of the people we serve day to day, um, but our own homes as well. I think that anybody who's not a qualified electrician should, should definitely have a qualified electrician go through their home's electrical system and check it out once a year. I'm, I'm a hundred percent for that. And most of the office staff in the building here have our our um, maintenance plans, um, and partly for that reason, so that they can have a qualified service tech come over and check their system out. Mine personally is just for the safety aspect, so so the panel and and wiring and outlets and um, switches and stuff get checked out, so I know that there's nothing faulty going on. Also, a great time to get estimates for upgrades and it's it's a good thing to have an electrician in your home um, for the same reason as the plumber and the HVAC tech which is you can hear about things that you don't currently know about 
for me, it was always as a plumber going into somebody's home. I mean, I, I did the safety inspection and, you know, um, got through their, their system and make sure it was working up to par. But what I really enjoyed about it the most was showing people things they didn't know about. So I have no concept of what, what things are in the electrical world if I don't work for an electrical company. And then we're talking, you know, camera systems and uh, lighting and um, somebody who has just the slightest bit of vision can walk into somebody's house and say, can you imagine? And that's the, the coolest question you can ask a homeowner from any one of the trades on one of these maintenance visits or any visit for that matter. Can you imagine what your system would feel like or what it would feel like to come home and lights turn down right here or to, to get up for a drink of water at night and say some motion activated lights under the kitchen counter just dimly lit up so you could see where you're going and how cool that would look and how much how much security there there would be in that if your toddler you know woke up and was coming to your room or wherever and as he or she was walking down the hallway lights you know low level lights came on so she could see where she was going that kind of stuff is that's things that the general public doesn't know exist or doesn't think about on a regular basis but a good a good um, electrician could bring those things up or motion activated lights which is a big one for me with a bunch of family members who don't know how to use a switch they only know how to <laughs> flip it up nobody knows how to flip it down so motion activated lights would be huge for you know dad who's who's paying the electric bill not necessarily the the money component of it because by the time you outfit your whole house with them, I don't know, probably take decades to save that much in your electric bill. But if you brought that to my attention or a lot of the people I know, we just don't like waste. We just don't like, you know, wasting the electricity on nothing. So I would get those put in even at a cost just not to have, you know, the, the five light bulbs in my basement on for four days straight because nobody's been down there since the last time they were turned on. Yeah, so opportunity is definitely a big piece of what can be offered at an electrical inspection. Uh, the opportunity of improving lifestyle, the opportunity of making um, making your home more what you want it to be, or maybe even the outside of your home for sure. And so opportunity is, is key. And so many times um, people only think about making electrical changes uh, like when something is an absolute necessity, Right. Uh, well, you know, why'd you call me out here today? Uh, well, you know, we bought a new TV and sure enough, it doesn't fit on the wall that we used to have the old one on and we don't have a receptacle on the wall that we want to put the new one on. So we need an electrician. Oh, okay. That makes sense. Um, and, and I can certainly understand how that call originates, but to be able to proactively address things like that without having to react to them uh, is, is another great element of what an electrical inspection can offer. Now, Brian, I know you're a big weightlifter, and we've certainly made reference to that uh, over the past many podcasts. Um, help me understand, what is the primary reason that somebody gets injured while lifting weights? Uh, I would say <clears throat> you would you would immediately think, I don't know how big of a weightlifter I am. I'm a weightlifter, but <laughs> I don't go all that big. A weightlifter who is big. Especially compared to our... Uh, guess that's coming in. Um, <laughs> but you would think the number one reason is people lifting weight that's too heavy for them. 
But that rarely happens. Most people are, are afraid to lift weight that they probably can lift. Um, what actually hurts most people is a lack of stretch, a lack of uh, knowing how, how to lift um, the, the preventative maintenance that they failed to do in having themselves warmed up and stretched out is probably the number one cause of injury. It's, I mean, I'd say the vast majority of times I've been injured lifting, it was because I hopped up in the morning, uh, decided to screw around in the kitchen for too long on my phone or iPad and got down with no time to warm up or stretch. So guess, guess what I skipped? Not the weightlifting. Um, and then all of a sudden my shoulders tweaked because it was ice cold and not stretched at all. And I lifted, lifted some weight on it. So that preventative, physical preventative maintenance, um, lacking caused an injury in my system. Right. And, and that's exactly what I was getting to. Um, the, the lack of education, um, or, or sometimes the lack of preparation can cause injury and specifically around education, because a lot of people can injure themselves weightlifting because they're not lifting properly. They're not using good technique or good form. Um, or maybe they're, they don't know how to use the machine. And so they're ignorant to how it's supposed to work. And sure enough, injury can come, come looking. And so kind of the same concept here with an electrical inspection, uh, injury, or more specifically, safety concerns can occur in a home out of ignorance. Uh, you know, not knowing that uh, a receptacle above a, a water sink uh, is supposed to be GFI protected, or not understanding what proper grounding in a home looks like, um, those types of things. So having ignorance to that, which I think is a pretty big obstacle in the marketplace, uh, is certainly a challenge because not many people understand their electrical system outside of flipping on a switch or plugging in a cord. When they flip the switch, the light comes on. When they plug the cord in, the appliance runs, and that's about the extent of their electrical understanding. But there's so much more to that, including how things react with arc faults and um, GFI breakers now and, and receptacles. And uh, beyond that, you know, where they're supposed to be placed. Um, and then there's also the convenience item, which is like, you know, how many receptacles do you have in a room and how many of them are actually grounded as opposed to being two prong, um, instead of three prong. So there's many, many things in there that many customers are just ignorant to. And a lot of them can have the potential of having safety concerns. Yeah. Or, or, um, even upgrade concerns, which people aren't aware of, which is, which is the one that I think, I think in the HVAC and the plumbing world, we probably lean more towards upgrades and, and, you know, things that would improve how the system feels when you use it, say water, uh, water treatment, water conditioning, um, indoor air quality products, um, duct, duct cleaning, which has two purposes, but most of what you talk about is just getting all the dust out of the system as you breathe the air in, um, but in the electrical world, we probably lean more towards safety because that's, you know, certainly the most important part, but less toward things that just make it far more enjoyable for you, for you to have an electrical system in your home. And, and those are the things that I would love to see more electricians talk about on these inspections. When you, I mean, you can just be sitting at the kitchen table and ask somebody, when's the last time you lost power? And in some neighborhoods, they may say they never have, or, you know, once or twice during storms. 
But then you get in some neighborhoods and you don't know you're in one or not unless you ask the question as an electrician where they lose power four or five times a year or more, even more. Um, and not due to storms or anything. They just, they just lose power occasionally. And if you just follow that question up with a secondary question, how would you feel if you had a system in your backyard whereby when the power goes out for the neighborhood, yours flips right back on? Oh, well, that, that would feel pretty good. I mean, anybody who's experienced power outages for more than a, 10 minutes would, would love to have some kind of system where they, they don't lose power, especially when the rest of the neighborhood does. You get somebody on oxygen or any kind of electrical safety device that they need power to 24-7. I mean, you're talking to somebody who would really benefit from a whole home generator. Doesn't mean they're going to do it every time, but to not be bringing that up on every inspection is detrimental to yourself, the company, and the client. Um, because this is something that most people don't think about. You can see the Generac commercials all day, um, but these TV commercials for most people just go, you know, in one eye and out the other, in one ear and out the other. But somebody standing in the home talking to you face to face saying, here's what it would take for you to never lose power again. And we could get it done on this date. That's a whole different scenario than watching a TV commercial. Um, so I, I strongly advise any electrician on any call, not just a maintenance visit. I don't care if you're just an, you're an installer and you're putting a panel in. Your homeowner should know about uh, whole home generators, whole home surge protectors. You know any any cameras or lighting systems that you think would enhance their system and make it more fun to live there. Um, and you yourselves should should uh, seek these things out. Get them in your home. See if you enjoy them. And then if you do enjoy them, get out there and tell people about them. Yeah, it's a good point, Brian. And education is what we're really ta uh, discussing here. Educating the client not only as to why an electrical inspection is important from a safety aspect, but also why it's important from, hey, you know, let's plan for the future. Let's see what your home could really turn into. What do you want it to be? What, you know, what are some of your frustrations or some of your pain points? Let's go over all of that. So I, I want to kind of parlay that into when to educate. So obviously, if you're on an electrical inspection, uh, you have a fair amount of education to do about what you're going to be doing, why you're going to be doing it. And then after you conduct the inspection, you're conducting education on what you found, why it's an issue or why it's good or why it's important to review, why it might be a concern, whatever it is. Lots of education. That's key. But what if you're not on an electrical inspection yet? What if you're out to do a trouble call or you got called out for a free estimate on something? I think there's plenty of opportunity there to build the brand, to build your own value as an electrician and to use that as a tool to bring in either an electrical inspection right then and there or set up one for a later time. So again, this is an educational piece, and it can be as simple as saying, Mr. Homeowner, have you ever had an electrical inspection before? Have you ever had a safety check done on your electrical system? Uh, and then you can kind of go from there. So for example, if, uh, if I'm out of Brian's home and he called me out because, uh, the, let's say, the receptacle for the garbage disposal isn't working, and so I go out there and we do some troubleshooting and sure enough, you know, it was a, 
the the test switch or excuse me the uh, the reset switch hadn't been pushed and so it was easy and we can educate right then and there on how GFCIs work and then I can ask the question hey Brian um, just out of curiosity have you ever had an electrical inspection done I noticed that you have GFCIs here in your kitchen uh, but did you know they're important to have in other areas of the home and you can kind of go in it from from that angle and say hey while we're here why don't we take a look at the basement or why don't we took a take a look at the receptacles outside or your bathrooms um, and so there's plenty of opportunity there for you to build value not only in what an electrical inspection is but in in what you bring to it as a professional electrician you have all those skills and you have all that knowledge that many people are very ignorant to and so you have the opportunity to teach and to share and to highlight things of concern uh, and, and if it's not right then and there and they don't have the time for it you know that that would certainly be something i think it's important to bring up uh, hey brian um yeah, let's take a look at some GFCIs. Uh, generally, you know, while I'm here, I could do an electrical inspection for you. Do you have 15, 20, 30, 45 minutes, whatever it is? And if Brian says, um, sure, yeah, great, well, then go ahead. But if Brian says, uh, no, you know, I, I got some things I need to take care of today. Hey, no problem. I understand. Uh, I do think this might be an important thing for you and your home, especially uh, considering what we found here today. Uh, would this be something you might be interested in setting up? I could, we could do a reschedule or revisit and come back again next week. Uh, and then we could kind of do a walkthrough through the entire home and see if there's any areas. And really drive that interest to the homeowner so that they understand not only the value of having an electrician in their home, make sure things are up to par, but also helping them understand how their system works from the get-go. And, and as with any um, maintenance or maximizer or inspection, um, keep in mind, you may get to some homes and everything is done. There's there's nothing to be upgraded. There's nothing to be repaired. Um, and take good care of that client and, uh, you know, recommend your buddies out from, from the other divisions if you happen to be in a tri-brand or dual-branded. Um, and just make sure that you take good care and serve them like they deserve to be served, and we'll see them next year. Absolutely, Brian. And we're going to move on to the second part of this podcast where we're going to introduce our new guest. And without further ado, let's get right to it. We have Dustin Rohr joining us from Mr. Sparky Electric in Lancaster, Pennsylvania. Dustin serves as a service manager and service electrician in our Sparky branch. And we're really excited to have him on today to discuss our topic, the excellent electrical safety inspection. So without further ado, welcome, Dustin. Thanks, Nate. I appreciate that. Good to have you, buddy. Yeah, I'm glad to be here. Yeah, well, Dustin, uh, I think you, uh, like most of our guests, have some background in history that we'd like to learn about. So why don't you start us off with what got you into the trades and then uh, how you found yourself in the role that you're in now. Yeah, it's a great question. Um, I guess it would go back to when I was in high school a little. Um, I was obviously brought up very well how to work. Um, I knew how to work with my hands. While I was in school, I actually worked for my uncle a little bit in the peach orchard, so got my hands nice and fuzzy fuzzy there. Really? You yeah. worked in a peach orchard? Yeah. I don't think I've ever even seen a peach orchard. Really? Yeah. It was quite the experience. So did that. I guess when I graduated, um, started working on the HVAC side as an installer, and right around that time, the electrical side, I guess, got underway. And was helping out over there some, kind of bouncing around between there, working at the shop a little. 
And I think it was like two years later or so, um, I was basically working full time for the electrical side as an apprentice. And honestly, just started working my way up through, started running calls by myself. I guess in the last year here, I kind of transitioned into that service manager role a little here. So my story's not that great, but obviously, I guess when you grow up in the in the in the family companies, it's you don't really go anywhere else. Yeah, I I, I think it's certainly a unique one, Dustin. And I want to ask you. I mean, you certainly uh, were in the industry um, at a very young age, and I even remember kind of looking at you as an eighteen, nineteen year old, and you were running service calls. Um, how, how did that feel to have to overcome that level of, uh, youthfulness in the customer home? Yeah, it's a great question. Um, honestly, it came down to just spending time with the homeowner, making sure they knew, um, who they were dealing with. Cause as a young guy, they could have basically pushed me off real easily and said, this guy doesn't have any idea what he's doing. Um, so just, I think coming alongside of them and, um, just really bringing them along on that experience and knowing I have it, I have it under control for them and they can put their trust in me. Yeah. I'm with you on that. So how many years of electrical experience do you have by this point? It's about just shy of 10 years. 10 years. Yep. <laughs> yep. You're like one of those people that say, how long you've been married? Oh, I've been married for 30 years and they're like 45 years old. Yeah. How old yeah. are you, Dusty? 26. 26. <laughs> 10 years. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Same. And uh, you're kind of a multi-generational uh, contractor, electrician, right? Yep. I, I basically have done it all for the most part. So Dustin's dad, Scott, owns the business now. His grandfather, Larry, um, kind of handed the business to Scott. Larry is who hired me. And Larry's father, Harry, started the Roar family of companies in 1959. So and that's who hired Aaron. That's correct. Oh, <laughs> in 1960. <laughs> um, so Dustin is the fourth generation of Roar in the in the uh, family business here. Yeah, and with that, Dustin, uh, we appreciate you joining us for the podcast today. Yeah, absolutely. So that um, while while you are young in years, you are long in tenure of experience and legs. And, and legs. How tall are you, Dustin? <laughs> Six five. <laughs> <laughs> yep, no ladders needed to change those light bulbs. Nope, and I was not a basketball player either. <laughs> uh, so we want to jump into our subject here, which is the Alexa. The yeah, uh, well, let's see if I can talk. The excellent electrical safety inspection. Um, I know what an HVAC tune-up is. I feel that's pretty common. A lot of people know what that is. I can even wrap my head around the idea of having my my water softener or my uh, water heater drained and those types of things. What on earth is an electrical safety inspection? <laughs> yeah, that's a great question. Um, honestly, it is, it's looking at their electrical components in their house as a whole. Um, you obviously, without going into real detail yet, you have your electrical panel, which uh, for me, I basically looked at their house. That's the heart of their home. Um, if you got an issue there or if that's not working correctly, 95 to 98% of everything else in the house ain't going to work without it. Um, so, it, you know, making sure that that's running under top-notch condition and then obviously all their circuitry throughout the house is very important as well. Okay, so 
Um, we, we often relate things to the medical field. It, it's the physical checkup of the electrical system. Correct. Okay. I'm yep. with you on that. Yep. Um, and, and why as a homeowner would I be interested in something like this? Yeah. Um, so basically what we would do um, is we would come in and take a look at their entire system as a whole. And as a homeowner, why would you want to know that? Well, I think it comes down to a peace of mind. Um, knowing that everything's going to be running at top-notch condition, um, knowing that there's not going to be a future issue down the road that you have to be worried about. Um, so I, as a homeowner, I think it comes down to that peace of mind, knowing that the electrical part in your house, one, it's not a you know a safety issue, and two, making sure it's going to be running properly the way it should be. Yeah, I'm with you on that. The safety thing is, I think, the interesting piece. And, and so we often refer to this as an electrical safety inspection. And safety is one of those key words that really matters to people because, you know, everybody wants to be safe in their homes. And when you look at the three trades, you have HVAC, plumbing, and electrical. <clears throat> I know people will weekend warrior plumbing out the wazoo, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, anybody will be like, yeah, I can throw some pipes together. Um not a lot of people will start tinkering with their HVAC, although when you get to the thermostat or those types of things, people are like, yeah, I'll, I'll try swapping out my thermostat. And with the advent of like DIY thermostats like Nest and stuff like that, where they're highly encouraged to do it on their own, I feel like more people are trending in that direction. But when it comes to electricity, there's a pretty significant part of people that are just like, nope, not even trying it. Yeah. Have you found that to be the case? Uh, absolutely. And there's people on all, all the whole spectrum, too. There's people that'll tinker with it that should have never even picked up a screwdriver. <laughs> so, like, yeah. Right. I, like myself. <laughs> Do you think it's like the, the shock? Is, is the electrical shock the part that keeps people away from it? Honestly, I, I, think, I think they're scared of getting hurt. And I think, too, you can screw up enough that it can be dangerous for their right. home as well. Yeah, you're, you're going to be hard-pressed to cause fire i mean short of messing with gas lines and plumbing doing your plumbing yourself <clears throat> but i as a as a uh, non-electrician um even though i'm in the trade and do a little bit of electrical that i have to do for plumbing systems and when when brian says that he means flip the light switch on yeah. right or change the smoke detector battery you know the, the uh really really exhaustive things i uh but i i steer clear of most electrical be for the simple fact that I'm not proficient at it, so I'm not doing something that could cause a fire. But I was I was in a home um, probably 2013, not long before I came out of a truck, um, where the homeowner lady was just telling me that they had a handyman put in some electrical over off of uh, Butter Road here in Lancaster, Pennsylvania. And she pointed up the stairs and said that her the the uh, faulty electrical caught on fire and there was her daughter's room and she, they never got her out. Oh my goodness. And she said it pretty matter of fact um just because I asked her if she had used our Mr. Sparky electrical department and she said no but she's looking for a good electrician. And I said, "Oh, what do you, Oh yeah, why?" And she said for for everything from here on out. I'm not using handyman anymore and she just very matter of fact told that story. And uh I have I have three daughters, well, two at the time, but it kind of shook me to the core. And it wasn't long after that that I told Dustin that story as I was at my house replacing a receptacle, wasn't it? I think so. <laughs> yep. <laughs> and I FaceTimed Dustin, and I said, I'm not, I was in my daughter's room, as yeah. it were, and I said, I'm not, 
I'm not going to take the chance of messing this thing up. I just want you to make sure it's perfect for me. Um, and, you know, he got on FaceTime and just I think helped. it was even like a Saturday night or something, wasn't it? Yeah, it was late. I, Ooh, yeah. I had no problem Dedication. bothering you. Yeah, it was, like, <laughs> it was fine with me. Texting me, he's like, bro, can I FaceTime you? He's <laughs> <laughs> like, really? <laughs> I'm in bed. <laughs> even better. Cool. Um, yeah, and Dustin helped me out, but it, but it was a uh, wake-up call for me. Who, who I've, you know, I've messed with electrical enough before that. But I was just thinking, like, what, what's the point? I'm going to save a few dollars here by it. Now, everything I do electrical, I, I have one of the Sparky guys out, and I just pay for it. It's just – it's fine. It is what it is. Um, that's something that if you mess up could have dire consequences. And this poor lady went into the story a little bit in detail that I won't go into today, but it's something that made me, um, before I had anything to do with the Mr. Sparky department um, – it made me realize how important these things can be because had she had one of these safety inspections, um, who's to say that that wouldn't have been caught. And I train our, I mean, I think I, I've told that story to everybody who works in this Sparky division, but I definitely tell them not to share that story or use that kind of thing um, to, you know, sell anything. Cause I, I don't like that fear based selling. I consider it a, a cheat code and, you know, I train against using any kind of cheat codes, but um, <clears throat> when you're when you're talking about these safety inspections, they can just Google, you know, um, their zip code and electrical fire, and they'll see they'll see these things pop up all over their around their own neighborhood. Because I did it shortly after that, I'm like, well, how prevalent are these things? Electrical fires are extremely common. It's insanely common. Yeah. Um, not necessarily fatalities, but wasn't long after that that a house burned down in Lancaster City and it was like five people died in it from an electrical fire um so now I after that I kind of kept tabs on that sort of thing and just promoted among the electricians number one how important that safety inspection is but number two how important it is to diligently perform that safety inspection not like a I mean we've all been guilty of Oh, there's nothing happening here. Let me get in and get out mm-hmm. instead of, you know, as a plumber really going over the venting for the water heater and checking for anywhere carbon monoxide might be able to escape or, you know, same same kind of thing on the HVAC, looking for a cracked heat exchanger or, um, you know, a gas line that's in disrepair or something like that. But the real deal safety part of the safety inspection has to be meticulous. It really has to be detailed and you have to be very careful that you're not overlooking anything. Um, just trying to get to the the part of this that you enjoy, because it's really easy to do. Yeah, it's easy to skip over the the important stuff and knowing what you're working with before you get into the sitting down with the homeowner and talking about what you're finding. All right, Dustin. So let's talk about what you are finding. Yeah. Um, walk us through the process. Where yeah. do you start, and where do you go from there? Yeah. I, for me, I think there was kind of four different sections I would hit throughout the call. Um, for me, it was basically preparation before I ever, ever even got to the door. Um, it was the evaluation, basically the inspection as a technician, evaluating everything. Um, and the next step would kind of be educating the homeowner on what you're seeing. Um, and then for me, it kind of came to a resolution where, you know, we're kind of at a crossroads, you know, where, where do we go from here? And that's, that came down to the homeowner for the most part. So, you know, for preparation, for me, it was what was I listening 
to in the vehicle before getting there? Was my headspace in the right place? Um, was I on the phone with my wife, you know, dealing with the situation before I ever got there? Leaving all that stuff at the truck before I even get to the door made a huge difference. Um, you know, making sure that you're in the the right place before even greeting that customer. Because the customer can know if you're fully there or if you're somewhere else, you know, as soon as, as, soon as you open that door. That, I mean, the first 30 seconds is the biggest, you know, that that's where a lot of times you can make or break that call sometimes. Um, the, the actual in, inspection itself, um, typically for me, what I did is I obviously had an introduction at the door. Yeah. And um, I'm, I'm curious with that, Dustin, yeah. because electrical safety inspections are not like common place yep. and people are not near as familiar with that. Did you have to do a significant amount of education at the door before you even started? Yeah, so typically what I would do, I would briefly go over what the process of my inspection is going to look like. So obviously, you know, we greeted, you know, exchanged our names. Um, and I would kind of phrase the question as like, Mr. Mr. Homeowner, like, have you guys ever had an electrical inspection done? Uh, typically, I knew that answer before I ever got there, because I think we're one of the, I don't know if it holds true anymore, but at that point, we were the only company that was doing electrical inspections. If that was the first time there, I had a pretty good idea that they probably never had one done before. Um, so depending on the answer, you know, maybe we've been there five, six times and they, they did. Um, I would still briefly go over what my, you know, what my plans are here with them here today. If they didn't, I would basically walk them through simply what I'm going to do. I say, listen, I'm going to go start your electrical panel. Um, I'm going to take a look at that for you guys. You're going to go start it, like pull the rip chain on it, yeah, and fire it up? Yeah. <laughs> um, no, I basically tell them we're going to open it up, inspect everything in there, um, inspect your electrical service, your grounding, et cetera. And then told them basically I'm going to walk around your house uh, checking all your outlets, your switches, your smoke detectors, any anything that's going to have electrical components hooked up to it, I, I'm going to inspect for you guys. And I would get their permission um, depending on the time of day, they might have kids sleeping or something like that. So typically get their permission to really, they're fully exposing their entire house to me. Yeah. And I think that's unique. I mean, we've talked with, um, our, our plumbing experts before about doing a plumbing inspection, uh, which, you know, gets you into bathrooms yep. and kitchens, but electricity is all throughout the house. I mean, it's in mm -hmm. every single area, right? So how do you address the fact that you're going to be like all over the place? Yeah, it, it really came down to asking their permission. Um, a lot of times they were saying, yeah, just, you know, treat your house like it was yours or, you know, just go where you need to go. Or sometimes it's like, yeah, I, my two daughters or something are sleeping in these two rooms. The doors are closed. I just, I prefer if you don't go in there. And basically as simple as like, listen, I totally understand that. Um, if there's something that's in there that I can't physically see, like you're taking that chance. But for the most times it was pretty much as simple as, don't go in there. And, you know, we just left that agreement up front that I'm not going to go in those two rooms. Okay. All right. So you go down, you start at the panel. Do yep. you bring the homeowner with you down to that place or does that happen later? Um, typically that happens later. Um, you have those percentage of people that just want to be in your hip pocket, so to speak, all the time, which is honestly, they were the easiest people to sell, so to speak. Um, because as you're finding stuff, you can basically show them physically and, you know, walk them through that. I would say a high percentage of the time, 
I was, they would lead me down there, show me their electrical panel. I would say, listen, I'm going to get started here. You can hang out with me. If you have things to do, I totally understand. Most people don't really like to hang around. They've got kids they got to deal with or they're working or, you know, they just, they were uncomfortable, you know, being down there with me. So it really no, depends. You are on a giant. So yeah, it's, fair. it's very true. <laughs> All right, so you, you take the panel off, yep. and I'm guessing a fair amount of homeowners have um, a lack of knowledge, we'll call it, uh, ignorance, yep. um, towards all things electrical, except for the fact that when I plug something in, it's supposed to work. So when does the education piece come into play? I mean, do you talk about what a breaker is and how it works? A fair amount of people probably know what flipping a breaker means, um, but I'm sure you came across people who were even uncomfortable with that. Yeah, absolutely. A lot of times I would kind of save the operation of it towards the end um, because that would give me a point of, listen, the condition that this panel, depending on what you know, we were seeing there, the condition of this panel isn't going to work properly, and here's how it should work. Um, so it was more and less... You know, when we open that electrical panel up, there's a bunch of things that we were looking for. Um, obviously, first off is age of the equipment. Um, you could be dealing with a five-year-old panel. You could be dealing with a you know fifty-year-old panel, um, and anywhere in between there. You know, there's different um, conditions that panel could be in. Um, it could have a lot of rust in there. There could be a lot of corrosion in there. Um, they could be an obsolete panel that the manufacturers are straight up not in business anymore. And you can't get, you know, the parts aren't very excess, you know, very easily you can get them. Um, it really depends on, you know, what you were dealing with. And if the homeowner was down there, you could show them and they could physically see and say, listen, you can see all this rust and this corrosion. And then you can either show them a picture or a different place in the panel and say, listen, this is what it should look like. Um, and they can visually see that. Um, if they're down there with you, uh, if, you know, if they're older and can't come down to the basement with you, pitchers do the same, same justice. You say, listen, this is, this is the condition that your panel is in. This is what it should look like. That a lot of times would sell itself, honestly. Okay. I'm with you there. So we've explored the panel. Where do you move yep. to next? Yeah. So once we explored the panel, typically I'll start, you know, in the basement and work myself to the, to the third floor. And what we're looking for is obviously testing all the devices, making sure the devices, your switches, your outlets, your dimmers, one are, you know, functioning properly. Um, one thing is they could not work. Maybe they haven't worked for years and they've just been putting it off. Um, two is looking for signs of like burning, melting. You can tell when someone uses a space heater in one outlet for a long time. That outlet is just all melted and brittle. Those outlets aren't never designed to be able to provide that much power through a space heater or something like that. So you can tell when stuff has been used pretty hard. Um, that's probably the biggest like concerning issues that you can find. The other stuff we're looking for is um, like code issues, like GFI is not in the right locations. Maybe their house was built 30 years ago and doesn't meet today's standards um, where they're supposed to be. Um, so for an example, like when houses are built 30 years ago, typically you only had GFIs in the bathrooms. Well, to meet today's code anymore, you'd have to have them in the garage, your kitchen, your basement if it's just a concrete floor, 
that type of stuff. So that's that's what we're looking for when we're you know walking throughout the house. And I, I'm basically gonna start from the basement, start in one room, cover everything in the basement, move myself up to the first floor, and just do the same thing till really there's no rooms left. Okay. Um, while you're doing this, Dustin, another question that we'd like to yep. ask about inspections is toolkit, right? Mm-hmm. So are you slugging, you know, a backpack and three buckets of tools into the house to do this? Do you have kind of your essential kit uh, that gets gets the job done on inspection? What does that look like? Yeah, I think that's going to come down to the technician, too. Um, for me personally, I carried a screwdriver. I carried a plug-in tester, which basically would tell me, once we would plug it in the outlet, it wouldn't tell me if it's operating correctly. It would tell me if it's wired correctly. Uh, tell me, you know, if, it would basically let me know if there's any issues there when you would plug it in. And I would basically plug that outlet in any outlet that was accessible. I wasn't moving big pieces of furniture to get to outlets, but if it was accessible, I was plugging it in to make sure, you know, the more I can plug it in, the better I'm going to be able to know that house. Okay. Uh, any other key tools did you bring with you? Um, no, they were basically the, the two tools for me to do an electrical inspection. Now I know in the past, and I'm not sure if it's still current practice, uh, the idea of a FLIR gun Mm. or a a heat gun, uh, heat camera has been employed. Is that still a thing? Um, that comes down to the technician as well. Um, a lot of times you can have an older panel that has a ton of rust on it that honestly just shows no heat. So the... It, it can work in some cases, and it can work against you sometimes as well. Um, if the panel's running warmer, like on a summer day, and your air conditioner's cranking, and you obviously you can tell it's heating up more than if it's you know 30 degrees outside and everything's cooler. So, it, honestly, I have used it, and I've you know I've chosen not to use it, and I, I have used it a, a quite a bit in my past, and. Uh, I think it comes down to the technician if they can work with it or not, I think is what it comes down to. All right. So what are some common concerns that you would find while conducting a safety inspection? When you say concerns, detail that a little bit more for me. Yeah. So, I mean, you're you're preparing yourself to sit down with a homeowner and go over anything that you're saying is um, not the way that it's supposed to be. Yep. So obviously codes are, are pretty easy, but uh, they're less visible to a homeowner. Yep. Um, I'm sure you come across bad wiring practices mm-hmm. or um, those types of things. Like what, what are some common errors that you find in a home that you bring up then? Yeah, so th- the biggest things are going to be um, the, obviously, like I mentioned earlier, the, the electrical panel is the heart of your house. Um, so that's a big thing there. If we were finding, you know, rust, corrode anything in there that would let that would basically that equipment wouldn't operate correctly due to the rust or corrosion or anything in there so that would be one thing the other thing is you know if there's outlets or devices that aren't wired correctly when you have something that's not wired correctly whatever you plug into it basically is going to work incorrectly as well so if you have like your hot neutral reversed your electricity is actually traveling through that device backwards of what it was designed to do. So that can actually burn stuff up, you know, as far as appliances go. So that was that would be another thing. And a lot of people that try to do stuff themselves get those mixed up sometimes. Um, and that can be detrimental to the appliances, you know, that they're trying to use. The other safety kind of concerns, and it's going to come down to the age of the house that you're dealing with, 
for me was what is in their house to, you know, if something does go wrong or, you know, there is an issue in the house, what is in the house to protect the homeowner or to let them know? Um, and there, there's a couple things there. One is obviously surge protection, um, protecting their, their house from, you know, electrical strikes or surges coming through their electrical grid, um, protecting all their appliances in their house, all their electronics. So that would be one area that I would touch on. Most houses, if we're in there the first time, doesn't know, they don't have a whole home surge protector. They have no types of surge protection. Maybe they have the ones behind the TV or something, but the in the grand scheme of things, they don't do a whole lot for them. The other things are is up-to-date smoke detectors and CO detectors. For me, that's the biggest and most important thing because, you know, for me as a, a father, I got two kids at home, I got a wife. Like, if there's something wrong, that's that's what's going to wake me up at night and tell me to get out of the house if something does malfunction, you know. There's wiring and stuff and can be behind the walls that we physically can't see. Um, and it can be wired correctly. The testers can show it's working properly. But there could be an open splice that somebody just taped together and drywalled over it, and you're never going to know that. Um, so I think when it comes down to a safety device, having those up-to-date, properly installed everywhere is what's going to, at the end of the day, keep them you know, as a homeowner or even myself from getting hurt or, you know, if, if indeed there is a fire, it would get you out of the house. Okay. All right. So you said your first step was to make sure you were in a good headspace, yep. mental preparation, um, making sure that you're walking in ready to, ready to be attentive to the client. And then you obviously conduct the inspection. You go through all your safety checks. You look at all your, your code concerns, your wiring concerns, um, uh, you know, panel age and rust mm -hmm. and, manufacturing and all these types of things, smoke detectors, all that. What's, what's the next step from there? Yeah. So once I would walk through the house, I would, I basically just keep a running tally on my notepad, um, or on my iPad, something just to keep a detailed list of what I'm working with. Typically when I've walked throughout the house, I, you know, by then I spent 30 minutes to 45 minutes, you know, at this point I would usually, um, I would do one of two things, and it kind of depends on the, the homeowner of the scenario. Either ask him if I can sit down at their kitchen table, um, or I would touch base with them and say, let, let them know I'm going out to my truck here. I'm going to write up some options for you here, and then when I come back inside, or if I'm sitting at the dining table, can I can get you and we sit down and spend, my, spend some time here, and I can educate you on what I found, and obviously you know, give you some solutions of what, what we found here as well. See, now this is something that I, we ask on our other podcasts for inspections as well, because it, it's so easy for an electrician or a technician or a plumber to go into the home and just start picking stuff apart, right? Yep. Like, well, this is wrong and this yep. is wrong and this is wrong. And you don't have smokes over here and this smoke isn't hardwired and, you know, you should have GFCIs. And like, <laughs> I mean, if you're, if you're not careful, you turn into this critical, mm -hmm. critical electrician who just has all kinds of problems. So... I could sense the anxiety in a homeowner when you say, hey, I'm going to go out to my truck and, and work up some options. And I'm like, options? Uh, what's wrong? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, yep. All the switches work, you know what I'm saying? Yep. Uh, so how do you get from, hey, I got a list of things here that are wrong to Mr. Homeowner, let's sit down and address some concerns. Yeah, uh, you bring up a good point. 
Um, a lot of times, you know, I, I don't know if I would tell them I'm going up to work out some options. I'd let them know I'm going to go out and fill out some paperwork here. Um, and kind of pre- at, at the beginning of the call, um, depending on the age of their house, you know, they would have issues for you before we ever even got started. Um, what does that sound like? Yeah. So like, you know, when we get there, I typically ask them, you know, are you having any experiences, you know, with anything? Are you having any issues? And it could be a couple minor things. It could be nothing. Um, but up front, I already knew if they had anything in mind that, and honestly, probably 60 to 70% of the time, they would have something like, yeah, this switch hasn't room, you know, worked in the basement for a couple of years. Like, we don't use it that often, but it doesn't work. You know, it'd be nice to have it working again, but there wasn't enough pain there for them to call somebody out to, to have just a switch fixed. Um, so it could be something minor. It could be, yeah, like we just moved in the house not too long ago when we had our home inspection done. They said our panel had a lot of rust and corrosion in it. Um, you know, it could be something major up front that they already are aware about, but never really called somebody prior to me getting there for the inspection. Okay, so uh, that makes a lot of sense. And I want to dig into that a little bit before we move on, Dustin. We find that, you know, if your <clears throat> your HVAC stops working, people are pretty quick to call yeah, on yeah, that. Yeah. And, and we find that if there's a, a drip on a faucet, even, uh, or a running toilet, people also tend to be fairly quick to call on those things. Why is it the electrical crowd that just says, eh, I'll just live with it, you know? Okay, so there's 13 other outlets in this room. Is that what it is, the ease of access to other things? Or I, I, what, what's the difference there? That is a great question. And to be honest, I'm not sure I wrap my finger around that yet. Um, it, it comes down to the who you're dealing with, too. Um, you got some people that can't handle one or two outlets not working. And you've got somebody else that will run an extension cord from the other, you know, another room, run it over and hook all their TVs and stuff up. And it's been that way for years. So to be honest, I don't know. Um, yeah, I don't, I don't know what the, the holdup is there for some people to call an electrician out. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, Yeah, I get it. I, I think it, it certainly is a preferential piece. Um, and I think there's a visual component to it as well, right? Like if your faucet is, dripping, you you see that. If your uh, toilet is running, you hear that. If your receptacle isn't working and, you know, (laughs) you don't need to plug something into it, like you just kind of forget about it. So I wonder if if that isn't some of the issue there where people just kind of, it's not um, front of mind, top of awareness, you might say. And so they just kind of live and move on. Then when you get out there, things are like, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, that, uh, that switch in the basement hasn't worked for years, but it'd be really cool if it did. I don't think there's enough pain involved sometimes for right. them to call somebody. Yeah, it's the it, middle seat belt and the yep. back seat of your car not working. Yeah, yeah it's a good, yeah, good not using it. Yeah. But everything in the system should be working properly. So while you're here, bring it up and let's get it fixed. Yep. All right, Dustin. So we're we're transitioning from I have a list of things to let's sit down and talk about it. Um, where do you go from there? Yep. So once I'd write up some different options, um, I would pull the homeowner side and say, listen, um, do you guys have 15, you know, 20 minutes? It could take a little bit longer to sit down here. I can educate you guys on what I found. Um, and then, you know, if you guys want to do anything with it, you know, I would have some solutions for you as well. Typically by that point, they're curious enough to know what you have found. 
Um, they've been kind of not in suspense, but like when you're in your house for, you know, when you got somebody in your house for a half hour, 45 minutes, typically somebody will check in with you and say, listen, like, what are you finding? Anything you guys found that's wrong? Like they've usually asked that question and you have, depending who you're dealing with, you can go, you know, full dive and deep into it. Then typically a lot of times they listen, yeah, I found a few things, um, you know, you give me a couple minutes here i'll go out to my truck get some paperwork together and then i can come in and we can talk about it um so they've had a sense that we're going to sit down and talk about it before i've ever pulled them aside to actually you know let's seriously sit down and have this conversation about what we found here um a, a lot of times we would you know what, what's most comfortable for them can be the dining room table kitchen table or sometimes we'd hang out in the living room and sit on the couch and stuff um and it came down to the homeowner you're dealing with, if they followed you around, you visually have showed them everything that is a concern. Um, if they did their own thing, pictures were a huge thing. So I'd be taking pictures of the electrical panel, pictures of burn outlets of a found dome, that type of stuff. So bringing pain to them, if they didn't really know that it was there, is a big thing. And for a lot of people to be able to visually see that, um, yeah, they, they could visually see there's an issue there and it, it created a pain if there wasn't one there. Yeah, I can imagine uh, seeing a charred outlet or mm -hmm. a melted together uh, brass plate or something like that. That would, for me personally, that would be like, oh, I know that's not supposed to be <laughs> like that. Yeah. So yeah, I, I now have some concerns for sure. And that was all hidden behind the drywall. Yep, yep. And, and comparison, you can show them a burn outlet but they might be like, yeah, like it's been that way since we lived here. But if you show them a comparison and say, listen, this is what it should look like, it, it kind of puts it in black and white form and say, oh, like I didn't know it was that bad. Okay. Yeah. Um, I guess kind of going from there, you know, sitting down, once we sit down, educate them on what we found. Um, for me, it was, it was three different options. Um, option one, um, obviously, is a Cadillac. So it was, you know, if they needed a new panel, it was, you know, getting a new panel updated for them, surge protection, you know, if there was burn outlets, they were getting outlets in there. Like it was everything, any issues or concerns that we found, plus all the extras on top of it. Um, option two was kind of somewhere in the middle of the road that we did all the most important stuff, um, plus maybe some couple extras. And option three was basically everything that would need to be done um, to make the house safe, that was a concern, or to bring the house up to current code. Um, that was kind of the bare minimum option that I would give them. All right, so I want to I dive into some of that there, Dustin, yep. because code is something that um, has evolved over the years. Mm -hmm. In fact, every three years they update the code books. Um, and, and this is something that is very out of sight, out of mind to homeowners at large. Absolutely. Uh, you know, in fact, I think there's probably a fair portion of people that don't even understand that codes do get updated. They just kind of think like, oh, you know, you know they built my house safe and yep. that's the way it is. It's been good for 30 years. Yep. yep. <laughs> and 30 years go by and, you know, an entire 25 chapters have been added to the code book. So how do you bring that up to a client in a way that it means something to them? Because so many times people just operate on the well, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. 
mentality yeah. and and yet you're coming in saying well i know it's not broke but it's also not the way that it's supposed to be like what does that conversation sound like yeah it's honestly educating them on what it should be so basically the way i would state that is you know listen you, you your house was built maybe 20 maybe 30 years ago is like i always explain like listen your code back then is much different than what it is today and I would kind of explain what code is. And code's basically a safety standard, you know, minimum safety standard. So anything below that doesn't meet the minimum safety standard across the board for the electric in your house. And it'd be basically as simple as walking them through on what it should look like. They typically know what they have in their house. So, you know, walking them through what it should look like, you can kind of make that comparison to when their house was built and the way it should be to meet today's standard, if that makes sense. So give us a common example yep. of a, a code infraction that you would come across. Yep. A, a lot of times it was um, GFI is not in the right locations. So what a GFI is a ground fault circuit interrupter. And, you know, depending on the age of the house, they could only just have them in the, the bathrooms. Um and that was honestly the biggest thing that I would run into a lot of times is they don't have them in the bathrooms where they would need them in the garage, the kitchen, the basement, the outside outlets. All those 30 years ago was never code to have GFIs out there. So to explain them, um, maybe they have one in the bathroom and say, listen, the outlet that you have in your bathroom that has those little tests in the reset button, that's a, that's a GFI. And you need to have them in your kitchen and all the areas that we just talked about. And they would visually know that, oh, yeah, like I don't have them there. Um, say, listen, like to meet today's standard, you would need to have them in all those locations. If you guys go to sell your house or do anything like that, like this is going to be brought up or you're going to have to bring it up to, to code to sell. And they, they would they would visually be able to understand what, what you're talking about. Um, the other things are their smoke detectors. A lot of times inspectors will flag a smoke detector that's more than 10 to 15 years old. Manufacturer recommends replacing them 8 to 10. That's always kind of what I stuck on. Um, but if you get an old smoke detector in there, a lot of times, you know, that doesn't meet code and then an inspector will flag that as well. Okay. Um, and how, how do most people respond to a code infraction conversation? Yeah, it's, it's going to depend on who you're dealing with again. Um, a lot of people like, you know, like they'll, they'll ask me the question, like, you know, it's been this way for 30 years. Like, why would I need to do this now? Um, and basically it's walking them through why they decided to change code to have these in, the, in these locations and, you know, explain to them, like, listen, you guys own your house. You're not forced to do anything right now, but the minimum safety standards is here to protect you guys. And I would, I would really dive into what the, what the devices do to protect them. Um, and, and what that GFI would do for them is in the kitchen, say, listen, if you guys are working in your kitchen, you got a sink with dishes in it, you're, you know, you're washing dishes, you have, you know, it could be a coffee maker, something plugged into your electrical components. If that device falls into your sink and you got water in there, you know, what's your first instinct to go and grab that? Um, where you've created a water and electricity mixing. And if you go to grab that, you're, it's a high potential, you're, you're going to get shocked. What that device is going to do is it's going to trip that circuit 
and you know protect you from getting shocked or getting hurt and they would really understand you know what that danger is there it really comes down to educating them all right so that's a good segue uh dustin because the next thing i wanted to cover is fear yep um you know if if i'm an hvac tech and i sit down and i'm going to go over hey mr homeowner you know listen your your capacitor is not doing well we need to address that um I'm sure the homeowner can wrap his head around, okay, if my capacitor fails, I'm not going to have AC. Mm-hmm. All right, fine. Uh, that That's not going to be pleasant, but okay, so it is what it is. If a plumber goes out and says, hey, Brian, you know, uh, there's some there's some corrosion here on your pipe. This thing could cut loose and, and start dripping on you. I'm like, okay, well, I'm not a big fan of drips, uh, but, you know, a bucket can get me by until I can get it fixed. With electricity... There's this tendency to say, hey, you know, shocking, fire, sparks, mm-hmm. um, danger, 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 right? How do you have conversations with people similar to the one you were going at there while balancing out the fact that, listen, this is realistic possibility of what could happen, but not going so far to say, like, your house is going to go up in flames if you don't do these mm-hmm. things and, you know, you're going to be responsible and, and all this like terrible fear-based uh, description. Right. It is a tough balancing act because y- there are cases where that can happen and, and uh, has the potential to happen. But at the same time, you don't want to be somebody who's speaking to the client like that or, um, you know, just kind of fear-mongering or going, going extra to push them into something. It's a fine line even when you had you know, people with a plug in their um, temperature and pressure relief valve on their water heater, and you're trying to convey to them how dangerous this is um, without painting the picture of it, you know, tossing their kid's bunk bed through the roof when the water heater blows. Um, (laughs) Typically, I would say, like, having them, something I did uh, when I, right before I came out of a truck that was really handy was to say, Google the effects of, you know, this thing being this way mm-hmm. while I run out to the truck and grab something and let them do their own research. And you, a lot of times you'll come back in and find that they're asking you how, how we get this taken care of today. Yeah, I, I, I would agree with Brian there a little bit. Um, for me, I never use the fear, you know, fire or this is going to burn your house down. I, I, I avoided that terminology, you know, very clearly. I mean, there's a fine line uh, to where, like, you know, deep down inside, like, this is an an actual legit issue. Like, you know, if I walk away from this, I could see this in the, you know, the news the next couple months if if they let this go. But it came down to educating them in a way that was not fear-based, but they basically would ask you the question and say, Dustin, like what you're telling me is if I don't take care of this, like this is a legit issue and there could be a fire hazard to my house. And I would basically say, you know, listen, I hate to use that terminology, but to answer your question, I'm not going to lie to you. You're absolutely correct. So you would have, you just have to educate them in the, in the right way and lead them in the right direction without using that terminology, but still they totally understand where their system is at and what you're trying to portray to them. Okay. Yeah. You know, similar to telling uh, 
a dentist telling a child like, hey, if you continue to eat candy nonstop, okay. there's a real possibility it causes a cavity. I can't guarantee that that's going to happen. I'm never going to say that it absolutely will, but continuing in the behavior or allowing things to exist as they do now or to degrade even farther does have the possibility of creating potential problems. Absolutely. Yeah, a, great, a great phrase to use in those situations is a real safety concern. Yep. I like to say that as opposed to a flood or electrical electric shock or a fire, carbon monoxide poisoning. I would just say it's a real safety concern. And if you want to see what I mean, go ahead and look this up. Yeah, makes a, makes a lot of sense. Okay, Dustin, so we, we've gone through the list of uh, safety concerns with our client. Yep. Yep. Um, where do we go from here? Yeah. So once I would, uh, basically show them the, the different options they have, I say, listen, Mr. And Mrs. Homeowner, like you guys have a couple options here. Um, you know, we can pick one of, one of these three options that would boast, you know, most work in your guys scenario, you know, what option would best suit your needs. Um, I'll also tell them like, listen, you guys have the option to tell me to pack my bags and, you know, I'll get out of your hair here as well. And basically state the question, um, how, how do you guys, what, what do you guys see as going to be the best fit for you moving forward? And I would basically just kind of shut up from there. Um, and a lot of times, you know, uh, most times they're going to usually pick one of the three options. Not if, if I've done my job well, and depending on what scenario they're in, I'm usually not walking away with nothing. Um, it could be just option three to at least get the house safe and, you know, up to code. Could be that they want to go all out. So I'd kind of just phrase it to them and, and let them make that decision. And I've spent up to 15 minutes, nothing, and they're just chit-chatting, trying to figure out what they want to do. So that can be the, the hardest part of the whole conversation. Right. Now, you said if, if I've done my job well, and yep. I assume by that you mean if you have educated properly. Correct. Correct. That's, that's what it all comes down to, an yep. understanding or a transference of your education, your experience, your safety concerns, how you view the electrical system, and giving that information to a client in a way that they understand it and then can make their own educated decision based upon it. Yep. yep. Yeah. You've, you've, you've hit the nail on the head. Uh, another thing I wanted to ask you, Dustin, is, is what about stuff that is not um, a concern, but is like a possible desire. So like a generator mm. or a redevice or adding additional lighting, um, those types of things that, uh, they, they don't exist currently and they don't need to exist currently. Um, do you bring that up at the front of the call? Do you sit down at the end of the call? Do you ask questions about like, Hey, have you ever considered X, Y, Z? What does that look like? Yeah. It, it comes down in the scenario you're working with. Um, so on, on a first time inspection, um, I would, I would phrase the questions to them, but typically if you're there a first time, there's more pressing issues. And a lot of times it, you're going to have those few people that just want to get every, everything done at once, but it's, a, it, those people are a small percentage. Um, a lot of times if we're there for the first time, we're getting done of what's necessary and if they have our plans, I know that either I'll be coming back next year or somebody else will be coming back next year, and we can have those more conversations about those redevices or generators. And don't get me wrong, like I would have, I would ask and phrase those questions to them. And if there's nothing else in the house that was an issue, obviously those options would be on my on my option sheets to 
to present it to them. So it really depended on the house you were in. You know, maybe we've been there for five, six years and we've done all their panels, like all their smoke detectors are up to date, GFIs in all the right locations. From there, it, yeah, we can give them some options on a generator, redevicing the stuff that's not necessarily a safety concern here and now, but it would be a great, you know, benefit to their house um, as far as convenience use for them or just like having everything upgraded and brand new, essentially. Yeah, it just kind of seems to me out of the three brands that electrical has a significant opportunity to make lifestyle improvements. Absolutely. Uh, like in HVAC, I mean, you know, a unit is a unit. And I know I'm, I'm not trying to simplify that. I know there's efficiencies and all kinds of things that can be done there. In plumbing, I mean, generally where there's bathrooms and where there's toilets and where there's faucets is kind of where they are. And people generally are like, yep, this is where they are. But with electricity, like there's so much that can be done to improve the lifestyle of the home or the homeowner. I mean, you can add switches or receptacles or lighting or outdoor light, like landscape lighting or post lamps and, and all these types of things that can beautify the house or make living in it more exciting or more dynamic by setting the mood in a room with dimmer switches and all kinds of things. Like there just seems to be a lot of opportunity to, you know, make the home special to the homeowner uh, in, in the trade. Have you found that to be the case where people are looking to take their their existing house to another level? Uh, absolutely. Yeah, the, the options are endless. Um, that, the, the biggest thing that we do with a two- to three-year-old house is they've built it, and they wish they would have done 100 things differently with their lighting in their house, um, whether, whether it's recessed lighting, whether it's low-volt countertop, you know, kitchen countertop lighting, could be outside, low volt lighting. Um, honestly, people love lighting. And if there was one install that I love to do, and that was lighting, because you could take a house that was very dry and very dark to just a whole nother level. And really, there would be no other house in the, the street that lit up like theirs did. So that was always fun to do. Yeah, that reminds me, like anytime you drive through a development and you see one house that has mm -hmm. like outdoor lighting that is pointing towards the house yep. or like trees or whatever, you're just like, wow, yep. that person spent some time and probably some money Absolutely. to have a very specific result. And it looks completely different than everybody else. Yep. It sticks out for sure. Yeah. In a good way. Yep. <laughs> yeah, definitely. Well, hey, Dustin, really good stuff today. Um, I, the last thing I wanted to wrap up with here is the concept of return inspections, right? Yeah. So um, HVAC, has, again, has a lot of understanding that we do this every year. Even plumbing, uh, I think we can say um, with with water heater flushes and, and copper piping getting corroded and those types of things. Yep, okay, I can wrap my head around that. But once you get in there and you do an electrical inspection, why go back? Yeah, it could be a couple couple different reasons. It could be that they chose to send you on your way and you're not going to do anything for them there, you know, that day. It could be that they want to wait till the next year to do it. Um, so it could be going back and reiterating their issues. Um, if we have done ev everything, it could be just the fact that it's like, listen, Mrs. and Mr. Homeowner, like, I know we've replaced everything in here, but wouldn't you want me back? to make sure everything is still in the same condition of how we left it a year ago. Like, is that not going to give you a peace of mind to make sure everything is working properly like we installed it? So yeah. I think that's the biggest couple different reasons there that 
you would have a continual electrical inspection. And I, it, honestly, it comes down to a peace of mind again. Yeah. Um, just knowing that there's no issues there, you're not taking that chance that there's something actually legitly going on that you're not aware of. All right. Hey, thanks so much for being with us today, Dustin. Really good stuff. Yeah, I, I appreciate it. Well, we can't let you go without asking you a couple of questions to wrap up our podcast. All right. Uh, so let's get started here. Um, if you had to delete all but three apps on your phone, what three survive? Oh, goodness. Um, and, and how many of them are hunting related? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> My mind didn't even go there either. <laughs> um, one would probably be um, probably the, the, the calling app. I'd want to be able to call people. Um, if I can call, I don't have to text. So I'm, I'm horrible with uh, my schedules. Calendar will be one of them. And honestly, probably the third one's a, a hunting app telling me all <laughs> the, the pressures and everything I need to know when I'm out hunting, to be honest. <laughs> Where are you at with that, Nate? I feel like I'm going the other way with the first one. I'm taking the calling one out and putting the texting one in. Yeah, I, texting. I, I, I am more prone to do that. I'm less yeah. of a call guy, but I can think of some... Like 911 doesn't do texting, so <laughs> there could be an you know? issue there. <laughs> oh, no wonder they never respond. <laughs> oh, Brian Burton's wiring just, his electric again. For me, it's just easier to make a phone call than trying to text out a whole paragraph of my what I'm trying to get across. I don't know. <laughs> Fair enough. All right. Um, question number two. You have $100. How are you spending it? Ooh. How would I spend it or what I should spend it on? I'm saying you have $100. <laughs> All right. Honestly, probably taking my, I mean, this is not where that, this is not where I would originally go, but I'd probably take my wife out on a date or something. Oh, yeah. Unless, in case yeah. you were wondering if Jenna was going to hear this podcast. Yeah. The if she wasn't going to hear it, I'd be like, yeah, it's going towards hunting stuff. <laughs> <laughs> All right. All right. What I'll about you, it. Nate? Where are you going with that, Benjamin? Oh yeah, three hundred bucks. I mean, I can I can get down with uh, a good steak, that's for sure. Um, you know what? I, I think that I probably agree with you. A um, hundred dollars easily spent is let's go out for a really nice meal yeah. and enjoy ourselves. Yeah, it's gonna be that nice with a hundred dollars for two people. I mean, it's not bad. I I think I get a pretty good steak for that. Yeah. All right, but one. <laughs> <laughs> what's, what's Sarah Manick going to eat? Salad. <laughs> I'm probably, uh, like the crypto market took a beating this week. There you go. I'm probably just like throwing it in Ethereum or something. Sorry, Amelia. Yeah. We'll, we'll eat later when, it, when the market goes back up. Yeah. Real good when it goes back up. Yeah, you'll eat your lunch when the crypto falls out again. <laughs> All right, Dustin, rapid fire for you here. Sweet or salty? Salty. Night owl or early bird? Uh, early bird all day. Fruits or veggies? Uh, fruits. Steak or seafood? Oh, steak all the way, buddy. Summer or winter? Huh. I'd go winter on that. Yeah, I figured. Yeah. Okay. I know you're a big uh, snowmobile yeah. fanatic. Um, yeah. Dream snowmobile vacation. Where are you headed to? I'm headed to Montana on a backcountry mountain sled. Didn't you already do that one? Nope. Oh, okay. Out to my bucket list. My nice. dad did. That's right. Yep. So that's my dream. Nice. Feed, I love it. Feed and feed of snow where, where you see about the top 10 feet of a 50-foot pine tree. <laughs> yeah. Like, wow, that owl really built its nest low to the ground. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yep. Dustin's always saying that. That's true. <laughs> this is true. 
<laughs> All right, Dustin, last one for you. I know you just welcomed a new child into your home, so congrats on that. Yeah, thank you. Uh, what is something you're looking forward to doing with your children in the next five years? Next five years, I would love to uh, basically camp on the road. So I'll spend a week or two, probably head out west um, or head up northeast on the east coast and just spend spend a week or two bouncing around and camping. Don't stay in one place more than a day or two and just kind of keep moving. So it's kind of our long term that, that my wife and I want to do with our family. That's awesome. Yeah, yeah I, I like that. Um, just you made me think about that. I wonder if people on the West Coast would be like, man, I just can't wait to head out east. Yeah, I know. I, right? I don't think anybody says that. <laughs> I don't know. I think we like to come to Lancaster County. Get that Amish food. That's true. We got good <laughs> food here. through horse manure. Yeah, it's yeah. right. <laughs> very true. All right, Dustin, thanks again for being on the podcast. Yeah. It's been good to have you on. Yeah, I'll, I'll also say, Dustin, that I, I've been here since you were a teenager. And one thing I can say about all three of the Roar boys, um, despite being the sons of the owner of the company you guys have a great work ethic um a great humility in terms of coming under your authority um even the authority that's not your dad and also the um from what i've seen of you in management very nurturing very um patient with the technicians um and always like taking time out for the other guys and and helping guys come along it's something that that could be so easily passed over by somebody who's the, you know, the son of the owner, the grandson of the former owner, the great grandson of the founder of the company. But you in particular have, have, uh, really grown in, um, into all the positions you've given, continue to grow in that position and, um, don't walk in entitlement, which is really, really, uh, good to see and a blessing to the organization. Yeah. I really appreciate that, Brian. All right. Well, that's a wrap for us in this podcast. Uh, we appreciate you tuning in. And thanks again to Dustin for joining us. We are looking to grow our organization more. And if you'd like to learn more about electrical safety inspections, joining our electrical team or any of our other divisions, we'd love to talk to you. We're always looking for people who are interested in pursuing uh, the trades, who are interested in growing their craft, who are interested in getting themselves to the next level. And so hit us up on Facebook. You can find us at wastenoday.com. And remember that you don't have to spend your days wishing for more, that there is a company, an organization out there that cares for you and wants you to succeed, and that you also have the opportunity to wake every single morning and choose to waste no day. Central Pennsylvania branch of one hour heating and air conditioning, Benjamin Franklin Plumbing, and Mr. Sparky Electric.